0: Welcome to Story Life, short stories brought to you by Mark Alouzai. Season 1 Good Morning, Episode 6 The Carnival, written and read by Mark Alouzai. Catherine would rather have gone skinny dipping in the snow than to the carnival cringing through the awkward laughter of girls and guys, spots and skirts, hysterics and hormones. It was summer, however, and noticeably lacking in snow. Besides, Nikki and Jules were presumably already there. They'd said they'd set off early, and everyone always did what Nicky wanted. Pulling her phone from her jeans pocket, Catherine pushed the rubber buttons for menu and star. It was five past four, No texts from anyone. Phew, maybe they'd changed their minds. Now back to all the jobs Mum wanted her to do. Catherine sighed and continued vacuuming the living room. It seemed life was a curdling mixture of chores, schoolwork and the social tightrope. Then you got funnelled into a job you never wanted, but desperately needed to pay the bills. You misguidedly marry someone in the name of love, but really to make the cost of living bearable. They leave you with the kids and the bills. It's twice as hard as before and now you're alone. Then you die. Somewhere in there, you probably start drinking. Well, that's what her mother, her aunt and all the grandparents seem to do just to fast forward the days. Trapped in this stupid life, even getting old, had to be better than being 17. Looking out the window, Catherine saw Mr. Crawford's garden. The back door was wide open and it was dark inside. It was unlike him not to close it. Briefly, she considered going out back to look. No, she had too much to do and she was fed up of sorting out other people's problems. He'd be fine. Catherine put her hands on her hips and surveyed the junkyard, more often referred to as the living room. Once all the vacuuming was finished, she had to tidy all the surfaces and clean the kitchen. All before mum came back from her shift harbouring some nameless frustration and looking for any remaining wine, which hadn't been sloshed down earlier in the week. By then, Liam and Matt would be home from football practice and they'd all have a beautiful family dinner together. That's until Mum asked about Liam's grades. Or Matt wanted permission to play pool with his dope-smoking friends. Or maybe tonight, Grandma would call threatening to visit. As long as Mum didn't decide to give the, Catherine, you need to find a boyfriend to cheer you up, speech, maybe it would all be bearable. The meaninglessness of family feuds or the polite pacification of false friends. Catherine shook her head and pulled herself together. It wasn't so bad. At least Emma was all right. Everyone needed someone they could trust. Glancing into the kitchen as she walked past, it didn't look so bad. Better than she'd expected. Maybe one of her brothers had tidied away after breakfast. She laughed. What a stupid idea. No chance. She'd be cleaning up their mess until she left. Then it would fall to mum when she was sober. After leaving home, Liam and Matt would find and ensnare some hopelessly naive blonde bimbo to do all their cooking and cleaning for them. Yikes. Well, fewer dirty dishes meant Catherine could be finished by 6.30. Then she remembered today was the last Friday of the month. Oven cleaning day, she groaned. Why today? The idea of running away resurfaced in Catherine's mind like a nuclear submarine, ready to obliterate all Catherine's family problems once and for all, she sighed. Better saved for later and used as a deterrent to bargain with her mother. Besides, how could she explain to anyone that she ran away because she didn't want to clean the oven? Maybe she could skip the oven. If mum realised, that would mean Catherine's allowance would be cut for a week. If mum was drunk when she found out, that meant constant pain for the next few days. It wasn't worth it. Catherine's phone rang. It was mum. She'd got some overtime and would be back late. Apparently, Catherine would have to fend for herself. Goodbye. Like Catherine didn't have to fend for herself anyway. No change there. At least, that meant no family dinner. Maybe there was a god. Catherine finished the vacuuming and briefly enjoyed the momentary spotlessness of the carpets. It was all pointless, though. The boys would soon be back trailing mud like wild cattle. Beep, beep. Catherine reached for her phone. It was Nicky and Jules, on Jules's phone. The SMS just said, We've just arrived. When will you be here? Goodness, couldn't they just hang out at someone's house? Weren't they getting too old for fairground rides and chasing boys? She rubbed her forehead with the palm of her hand. If she said no, Nicky would moan to Jules and Emma all evening about how Catherine had let them down and spoiled the whole weekend. Looking up, Catherine saw Mr Crawford's back door, still open, and again had a strange desire to see if he was alright. Turning back to her phone, Catherine texted back, I'm not sure, I'll have to see if Emma can pick me up. Immediately, beep, beep, The message said, guess who's here? Who, Catherine replied. Beep, beep, Jake. Catherine's heart leapt. Oh, okay, maybe she should go. No, that was crazy. What would she even say to Jake? She texted back. OMG, I'll let you know when I set off. Catherine messaged Emma, asking for a lift and started on the kitchen. Beep, beep. Emma's message said, sure thing, I'll be with you in 20 minutes. Catherine looked at herself in the living room mirror. She needed to change. This blouse was too busy and floral. Maybe her blue summer dress, no, too much. She needed something simple, shapely. There wasn't time. Five minutes to finish the kitchen, 15 minutes to get changed. The oven would have to wait. Upstairs, she swapped into her lighter-coloured jeans and a white v-neck, did her hair in record time, and put on her favourite perfume. The doorbell rang. Catherine quickly scribbled a note for her brothers. It read, Pizza in freezer, put in oven. Then in brackets, Take packaging off first. Catherine raced outside, locked the door, scrambled down the front steps, hugged Emma, thanked her, and told her about Jake. As they walked the car. Looking in the overhead mirror, Catherine checked her makeup as they sped into town. Not bad. TLC came on the radio and they jived in their seats, singing as they waited at the lights. Maybe it would be a good night. The ferris wheel was visible from a block away. As they approached the entrance, Catherine had the urge to get out and flee. What was she even going to say to Jake if she saw him? She couldn't run, though. Nicky would never let it drop. Across the road from the carnival, there was a worn-out martial arts studio. Double doors hanging open for anyone who wanted to go learn to hit people. Hard. Maybe she should go. They drove into the car park and Emma reversed them into a space. Nicky and Jules met them at the candy floss store. Emma shared a stick with everyone. So sweet, it clung to the inside of Catherine's throat. Chewing gum was the only solution. And as always, Nicky was deciding what they should do. Catherine asked Jules if she knew where Jake was, but they hadn't seen him or the guys for nearly an hour. Catherine's heart sank. The carnival was massive. Mini roller coasters stuck up behind the stalls and synchronised screams coming from the repetitive pendulum swing of the pirate ship. She'd been stupid to think she would see Jake. Looking around, Catherine's eyes came to rest on a meagre, worn, blue bell tent, beside a caravan older than Grandma. Stylized curling letters designated the tent as Lady Liberty's Fortunes and Futures. Then in smaller writing below, ever wanted to see what tomorrow could bring? No thanks. Catherine didn't want to know. Fate had already delivered her a life she would never have chosen. Catherine asked Nicky if they could go look for Jake and the guys. Nicky raised her eyebrow. You don't want to look desperate, do you? She said. There was no arguing with that. Catherine bit the inside of her lip and imagined rubbing the remaining candy floss into Nicky's perfect brown curls. Turning back to the fortune tellers, Catherine saw the tent door was now hung open. She could just walk across, go straight in. Screw Nicky. Instead, she shrugged and said, I guess you're right. Nicky always got what she wanted. And sure enough, within a minute, everyone was following Nicky to the Gravitron. They'd probably never see Jake anyway, and the only ride Catherine was remotely interested in was the huge Ferris wheel. As they queued, Catherine watched the passers-by, trying to spot Jake. Maybe Nikki was right, Catherine sighed. If Jake turned up, what would she even do? She couldn't just walk right up to him and ask if he wanted to hang out alone. Guys didn't seem to like her anyway. It was hopeless. The queue moved forward and they got onto the Gravitron. Catherine had to admit defying gravity was both fun and strange at the same time. As they headed towards a tall tower with a flashing pink freefall sign, Emma grabbed Catherine's arm. Look, she said, there's Jake. Jake and his friends had just joined the queue for the ghost train. This was her chance. Hey, Nicky, Emma asked, why don't we go to the ghost train first? Catherine could have hugged her. Nicky spotted Jake and raised her eyebrows. Oh, all right, she said. They joined the queue behind the six guys, leaving a short gap. Nicky acted all aloof, while Emma and Jules shot glances at the boys and giggled. When the queue moved forward, one of Jake's friends turned round and said, Do you girls, uh, want some company on the ghost train? I hear it's quite scary. Sure, said Nicky. Wouldn't want you boys to be afraid now, would we? Following her, Catherine ignored the hammering in her heart. And tried to wander as casually as she could to stand beside Jake. What was he thinking? She wanted to glance at him but didn't dare make eye contact. Jake's friend Barry, from Catherine's English class, walked over scratching his stubble. Hey, he said, are you having fun at the carnival? Uh, I guess so, she replied. Not Barry. The last thing she wanted was for him to trap her into one of his never-ending anecdotes about a family holiday to some foreign country. She had to think of something to get Jake's attention. The queue moved and Caroline's heart leapt when she saw the carriages were two-seaters. This was her chance to sit with Jake. Maybe she could ask him what he wanted to go on after the ghost train. No, that implied she wanted to go with him. She did, but that didn't matter. Just keep it simple. What was his favorite ride so far? I went on a ghost train in this theme park in Venezuela once, said Barry. I was eating this pizza. And the queue moved so fast, I couldn't finish it in time. Before I got to the ride, I mean. It was one of the best pizzas I've ever had. That Jake stepped past Barry and Catherine. Hey, Nicky, he said as he moved. Have you girls been here a while? No. Catherine screamed in her head. It also had a stuffed crust. But not any old stuffed crust like you normally get when you go out for a pizza. Barry continued. Catherine's life was ending before her eyes. She staggered forwards as they went inside. Behind the train was a wall picturing a huge screaming face, a take-off of that old painting, but with red eyes. That was exactly how Catherine felt. Two of the guys got into the front carriage. Barry slid onto the next one, taking up most of the seats and he waved her over. Come on this space, he said. Catherine stayed on the platform. If she sat next to him, any chance of being with Jake was history. Behind her, Nicky made a joke and Jake's deep, contagious laugh filled Catherine's ears. Jake sat down in the next carriage. Catherine turned towards him, pushed the fear down into her stomach and met his eyes. He smiled at her, then looked past her. Hey, Nicky, he said. Come on. Catherine squeezed on next to Barry. The horror of the ride on the ghost train seared into her mind. She wanted to scream, to run, to disappear, all at the same time. As they emerged into the light, she found she could no longer hear Barry. His mouth opened and closed in front of her. Jake and Nicky decided they would all go on the bumper cars. The gang followed. Nicky laughed with Jake as they waited for the cars. Catherine tried not to see. She watched the safety attendant at the back of the arena. He looked like a washed-up heavy metal guitarist who'd needed to retire a decade ago. No wonder adults took to bottles of spirits like ducklings to dirty pondwood. Life, and the cars at Deli. As they got into the bumper cars, Emma came over, sorry for what had happened. Catherine smiled back half-heartedly, then spent the next ten minutes trying to resist the urge to ram her car into Nicky's as hard as she could. When they climbed out, Catherine felt a tap on the shoulder. It was Nicky. She smiled and said, I'm sorry Jake seems to like me so much. The words sounded so sincere, but Nicky's eyes were loving every minute of it. I think we're going to go on the orbiter next. Maybe you and Barry could sit opposite us. Every one of Catherine's muscles went rigid, half of them trying to slap Nicky and half trying to run away. She was trapped, frozen. Nicky shrugged and walked back over to Jake. The worn out attendant opened a hidden door in the wall next to him and stepped inside. He was probably going for a drink. The door stayed open, gaping, calling at Catherine. The unknown blackness was inviting her in to something else. Anything else. Catherine shook her head. She wasn't thinking straight. There couldn't be anything good through a random door. She traipsed after the group. Round the corner by the candy floss, Nicky and Jake gathered everyone together. Catherine came and stood next to Emma. Let's go on the orbiter, Nicky said. How come Nicky always got what she wanted? I want to go on the Ferris wheel, Catherine said, with more annoyance than she'd intended. Well, Jake and I would like to go on the Orbiter, Nicky replied, and it's closer. So, unless anyone's got a problem with that... It was clear Nicky had no intention of ever going on the Ferris wheel. Behind Nicky, Catherine saw the fortune teller's tent door, flapping in the breeze. What was it with doors today? It was calling to her. There was something unknown, something through that door. I have a problem with that, Catherine said, cursing herself for saying it. You aren't in charge, and you don't get to decide what we all do. Chill, Catherine, Nicky put her hands up. We just want to have fun. No need to get so moody. I'm sorry no one wants to go with you on the Ferris wheel. It's boring. Catherine heard the meaning behind the words. I'm sorry no one wants you. You're boring. Catherine felt the submarine slowly surfacing inside of her, and a switch flicked. It was the nuclear warhead. You know what, she said, I'm done. I'm done with your selfish, self-centered entitlement and your constant manipulation. I am not your groupie," Nikki gasped. Catherine pointed at Jake. "You, you can do better," she said, and found herself smiling. Then Catherine took Emma's hand and said, "Come on, Emma. I think the future has something better for us." And without a backward glance, she marched past everyone else, straight into the doorway of Lady Liberty's fortunes and futures. Inside, Lady Liberty smiled at them from behind her velveteen table. Ah, I was hoping you'd find your way to my door. thank you for listening if you enjoyed the story and want to support future episodes please go to patreon.com forward slash story life podcast and join the community thanks see you next time